0: Hey, Network. How's it going? It's I, Adam. Another episode of the Pilot Network Podcast. This one is a little different than what we've done in the past. It's actually pretty cool. We're going to try to feature these folks more often. There are correspondents, our writers, that you see on TPN Pro. Uh, for those of you who are interested in a TPN Pro account, you can go to the pilotnetwork.com and you can sign up via that route. There's a three-free-day trial, uh, and then you can just disregard it. You can read all the articles and take off. It's the best way to support TPN if you're interested in supporting us, helping out with uh, – there's discounts. There'll be discounts for merchandise that we're working on. There's discounts for TPNX. Uh, there's the great – Writings of our staff writers. There's early podcast release. There's all sorts of stuff that we're turning into the TPN Pro, and the best part is, we get to keep uh, all that stuff live and in in our purview. Unlike on social media, where we can get shut down just whenever they want. So uh, we like using our social media accounts for TPN stuff, the Facebook group, but TPN Pro is where we can consolidate all that good information. Today's. Episode is going to be with uh, Mr. Anthony Felix. He is a cargo pilot for a pretty popular cargo airline that a lot of people know about. And we talk about sleep. We're going to debate sleep protocols, how I do mine in the world that I live in, which is international uh, transport of passengers, where he does transport of cargo. We tend to go opposite direction a lot. I do a lot of Europe, he does a lot of Pacific. We talk about that. It's kind of cool. How we both have different differing opinions, but the thing that we we both come back to the same general crux in the debate, we have the same agreements on the basic foundations of how to get your rest, whether it's domestic, international, it doesn't really matter. And I think we have uh, we 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 have we have we mend some some fences there between our two styles of thought. And if you're coming into this uh, cold, you can go read his article. On TPN Pro, it's from about a month or so ago, and he's actually going to be releasing another one. That's not really a sequel, but and not really a second part, but has some different aspects of how his flying doesn't necessarily his flying and his game plans don't necessarily apply to the game plans that you may have as a domestic or other international uh, pilot in in those worlds. Anyways, uh, that was a long intro for a, uh, a decent length podcast. I hope you enjoy Anthony and Mai's discussion. Now, onto the show. Anthony, how are you, man?
1: Good. Good to be with you today, Adam.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a rare thing that we get to do uh, a little something different today, and I'm I was excited about this one because you wrote an article that I. I uh, didn't necessarily agree with everything in it, and being the uh, creative director, I guess, of TPN, I wanted to have you on so we could have a chat. We could discuss this because I think it's uh, it's a fascinating world. Because I used to, I used to kind of operate in your world a little bit. Um, so, as an Atlas guy, ACMI, I did some similar stuff to what Anthony does now. Um, so when I read it, I kind of knew, I kind of knew where he was coming from. But from where I come from, as a international 121 PAX carrier guy, I was like, dude, that's completely opposite of what I do, and I think a lot of domestic flyers would disagree too. So not necessarily disagree, just um, have a different plan. And then the there's there's research that actually backs up none of our claims because eventually, <laughs> just the overarching umbrella research by Dr. Matthew Walker, all the sleep experts out there, the institutes at Stanford and, and everywhere else essentially say none of us should be doing the jobs that we're doing. We should all quit tomorrow.
1: Right. We're all probably going to die tomorrow. Yep. yep yeah. Because
0: <laughs> what, we, what we are doing is a known carcinogen, us and essentially truckers and uh, other shift workers out there, we're all, um, we're all on the short list for uh, uh, exiting the pale blue dot early. So I thought Anthony Anthony, and I could have a nice discussion on that, but before we get into that, uh, another thing that we're doing is uh, we're going to start kind of bringing on some of our writers to give them a chance to kind of give them a little profile um, about themselves and uh, hopefully in the spirit of, so I'm a big real sports fan on HBO uh, and this is in 2023, this is their last season. So I'm, um, I was thinking of well, I'm going to carry the torch for those of you who don't necessarily like Brian Gumbel or whatever. I, I that's besides the point, I love their the way they do reporting. And if you're going to carry the torch and at the end of the year, we're going to try to have a couple of the writers on and do like a round table um, discussion and enjoy kind of that thing should be fun. It might go completely awry <laughs> being virtual, but who knows? We'll give it a try anyway. So, uh, Anthony, I'll kind of let you take the floor. You know, where, uh, where'd where you come from? Where are you now? Within reason, obviously. Um, and uh, and how did you get uh, kind of writing for TPN before we break off into our uh, d- discussion?
1: Well, so for my professional background, I was on uh, Air Force Act duty for just uh, shy of 14 years. Flew uh, several different airplanes. I pretty much did what they probably say is not the best thing to do, which is switch airplanes every assignment. But I had the privilege of being able to do a lot of different things um, during my time in the Air Force. And then, um, yeah, like I said, just shy of 14 years active duty, I decided to um, change careers. I got hired with a major uh, freight carrier. Um, I'm still doing um, the Air Force Reserves in, in parallel with what I'm doing right now. But uh, actually how I got on with TPN is kind of an interesting story because my um, one of my uh, friends uh, from the Academy was the former editor in chief of TPN. And uh, during my time when I was a uh, pilot training instructor at Laughlin Air Force Base, uh, he happened to be there at the same time. And he noticed that uh, I had started a travel blog because in my spare time, uh, my family and I have always gone in different places around the world. Uh, I was just building up airline miles and, and taking our family on fun trips. And enough people started to ask me to start writing about it that I finally did. I was kind of bored at Laughlin one day. And so I just finally did what people had been asking me to do for several years. So I started writing about all our travels and then, um, uh, my friend who was, who had been writing for TPN for since, since the beginning, um, he, he had already been paying attention to all this writing that I've been doing about traveling and just said, Hey, we could, we could use some more writers. Uh, would you be interested in joining us? And so in, uh, I think 2021, um, I just came on as a TPN correspondent and it's uh, been a lot of fun to, um, interact with the, uh, the, the larger network and, uh, uh, become a uh, part of TPNX and see what that, that uh, is all about. Um, I love, I love the conference that we do every year. i um, excited for the one that we're going to have next spring. And uh, I love the fact that we're, we're just helping uh, aviators uh, plan their next steps in their future and also partner with other aviators. There's a lot of, uh, for, for the people that are just in the Facebook group, um, you wouldn't see um, all of the other, people that are involved in entrepreneurial ventures outside of flying. So we've got a lot of pilots that are running their own businesses and uh, doing a lot of great things for the flying community. And so it's really been, uh, if I if I hadn't come on board as a TPN correspondent, I probably wouldn't have had access to uh, seeing what what we're doing in all these other different uh, venues. So it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Like, well, yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, let- we we wouldn't be where we're at without our correspondent staff for sure. And you, you guys bring uh, a lot of good content and some really good insights that I don't think we would get if it was just Matt and I, well, one, we couldn't produce uh, nearly as many or any articles a month because that's just not very doable when it's two guys trying to run a business from also while they're also doing their actual work to feed their families and, uh, you know, play dad and all that kind of stuff, which you know a lot about. It is nice to have that correspondent and just a different opinion. And I think that's what leads kind of what we're doing today. So Anthony, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us kind of the background of the article that you wrote what, and the impetus of why you wrote it. And um, essentially the synopsis of your take on sleep, not, not not in the general term, but your sleep—that how it affects you. So I think the 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 point that we're we're both in agreement with is we're not so much concerned about our how tired we are on the road. We know that we're going to have some level of fatigue, some level of feeling sleepy, if you will, not to the point of fatiguing out of a trip, maybe, but. More to the effect of, okay, we want to be ready to fly the airplane and then and be safe. And then the secondary, or I would say the equivalent piece of that is I want to be able to go home and not have to take a day or two uh, to recover fully because I have my kids and responsibilities, duties at home that I want to uh, uh, live up to. And I feel like that in your article came across as there was two major pieces there. There's the, I want to fly the airplane safely. And then in concert with when I get home, I don't want to be a complete zombie for four days. I remember when I was at Atlas and I I did an 18-day trip or 18 days. I came back. It took me three and a half days before I was mildly normal again. And that's before I had kids and my wife was at work all day. So it was easy to sleep and nap and whatever, but um, those days are different now. So I'll let you take it, take it away with the impetus of the article and let it flow into that. Because I'm, I'm curious as to what, what drove you to write it.
1: Yeah, I, I think what prompted me to write the article is a lot of people are, are unfamiliar with what we do with flying long haul freight operations. And so um I have to start off by saying that the audience for my particular article is for people that are doing long haul international operations that are flying between multiple time zones. And so this isn't just applicable to pilots that are in the airline industry. I think this is also very important for uh, our military pilots out there. And so I wanted to. uh, I think part of the uh, subject has also come up as a form of wellness because you're starting to hear a lot more, even in the news and just in different health circles, about how important it is to sleep. And I think when we're in our 20s, um, you think you could just do whatever and it's no problem. Sleep is for the week. Yeah, you could just. Yeah, just like I hear people, I used to hear people say, I'll sleep when I die. Well, I mean, and I got to rewind back to my college days and even into my early military days, I would just, I had no sleep schedule whatsoever. So I was always napping at, uh, the most inopportune times. I I joke with people and I think it was, it's it's not really even joking. It's kind of just laughing about the truth. I I probably slept through 50 or 60% of all my classes in college. And so I, I, I really had no sleep schedule and, Um, and and now that, that I've gotten older, I realize how important it is to have a consistent sleep schedule because it's important for, uh, it's important for my health. It's important for me to be able to, I mean, the last time I got really, really sick in the fall of 21, it's cause I, I was operating on about three or four hours of sleep before I transitioned from, uh, from coming off a trip to going back to normal life. And so I think my body just kind of gave up. Yeah, and the, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I just really want to make sure that I have a consistent sleep schedule where I get enough sleep and so I can be functional uh, for the sake of my family and, and uh, just can operate my car safely yeah, uh, sure. o- outside of flying airplanes safely.
0: Yeah. The, the relative, the relativity, I think that's the funny part about this, right? It's a relative sleep schedule because one of the things, so... I, I believe that one of the greatest books uh, written on this topic is Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, and I'm I can't I'm not going to go in and single pointedly reference all of the studies and that he's got in there. That book is truly a it's a wealth a font of of information for not only your wellness how to how to best mitigate because even if you're even if you were staying it let's say you had the most cut and dried schedule. You had a nine to five, whatever. It's very hard in a modern day or an era where you have jobs, kids, whatever it is. If you're, if you're a 27 year old individual who has no kids and has the ability to black out your condo in downtown Chicago or whatever it is, um, you probably can develop a sleep schedule that is consistent with what the prescribed requirements are by Dr. Walker and every sleep Institute. And that is if you do not have a social life either. Right. I mean, that's the the reality of it is if you're, if your body, if you're one of those people who need, uh, let's just call it the magic eight hours. I think they say it's between seven and nine is the, is the true reality of how much a human being needs to sleep. So between seven and nine, and if you sleep, Uh, Let's say those eight hours and you can do it every night and you go to bed at uh, 930 every night and you're up at 530 in the morning and you have this very strict schedule and that's all you do and you don't drink and you don't uh, use caffeine very much or at all. um, And that's your schedule. Well, then congratulations. I would never have met that person. I don't know them. I mean, I'm sure they exist somewhere, but the reality is that's a very small percentage. And in our world, it's almost, well, it's next to impossible, right? Like, I mean, especially for what you're doing and what I used to do at the ACMI lifestyle, I I don't think people understand what an intra-theater airlift schedule looks like. I know C-17 guys do. I know KC-135 and the Tanker Dudes do. Um, I know ACMI guys uh, definitely know what it's like to do intra-theater lift. And, and and honestly, passenger carriers used to do that. Uh, and people love those trips because, well, as we've talked earlier, it's one commute uh, offline. Um, but the reality of the situation is there is no way to get on a consistent sleep schedule, in my opinion. But I think that you, you have your, like, how do you, so what's your mitigation technique? Like, what did you write about in the article?
1: So... Um- I'll say before I even get started on this, I wrote, I wrote an article and there's another article that's coming out that sort of uh, picks up where that one left off, not in the sense that it's a part two, but I realized there's some pieces uh, about it that uh, may not have been applicable to everybody um, because I talked about getting uh, bidding trips that allow you to stay on your home time. And I realized that I have the seniority to do that and I can often do that. But not everybody has that. And so there are a lot of trips out there that there's no way that you can keep your body on your home time zone because these uh, start and end times for your duty day, even if you're super disciplined the way I talked about, aren't always going to – uh, some of the, yeah, the, the start and end of your duty time are not, uh, going to line up with your bedtime schedule. And so, um, I talked about some trips where you can totally do that. Um, because I, I'm, I'm able to bid trips like that. A lot of times I, I look for them and I'm often able to get them, but I don't always get them. And so, um, so there's, there's, so anyway, that are, the second article talks about what the first one could, not but the, the first article talks about, Keeping your bedtime the same and keeping your body clock on your home time zone uh, for a number of different reasons because number one, I find that it's it's uh, that you just don't have to fight the jet lag. You're not constantly feeling like you're tired, but there's a lot of discipline involved because uh, it's possible when you're doing night flying in Asia to be on a daytime schedule back home. But you have to keep to that schedule. And you're going to feel like, I always tell people that on, when I'm on trips like that, that I'm kind of a vampire because I'm gonna be up in the middle of the night. Um, but usually when we're flying in the middle of the night, I am I feel great because I'm wide awake, it's daytime back home. and uh, but, in, but it involves a lot of discipline because on your off days, it's kind of strange to be up at four o'clock in the morning in whatever place in the world. Uh, that's just not normal. That's that there's not a whole lot of people around, and so not everybody wants to hang out at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but most people don't. I often, <laughs> I often most find don't ways to, that. to 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 keep that schedule because it's better for me when I get home, and it's often better for me if I'm on a consistent schedule where I'm flying at night. If I can just keep that schedule, it helps me to be a lot more alert when I'm operating the airplane.
0: Yeah, I so okay, I agree with all that stuff. Uh here is where I'm going to start a little bit of a disagreement on you on with you. So uh, one of the things when I flew on that schedule, which wasn't all the time, but I had it enough where, I mean, I had it enough where it made me want to leave that world. Um, I flew, so I flew to Narita. um, We went Cincinnati Narita, and then it was going to be a essentially what uh, you cargo guys call a hub turn. For those of you don't know what that is, um, uh, think of like UPS, uh, they fly out of Louisville and they start at like 10 o'clock at night or, or somewhere around that time frame. And they fly Louisville to, they go to an outstation, let's call it um, Tampa. And they fly down to Tampa and they offload their stuff and they bring stuff back on and then they fly back to Louisville, they go through the sort, they take that stuff off, they put more stuff on, and then they fly to another outstation, let's say it's Denver. And they land in Denver and then they're there at about 6.30 in the morning, 5.30 to six in the morning, they land, and that's the end of their first day, and then they go to the hotel and they sleep, and then they kind of start that over again for uh, a couple of days or maybe a week or whatever their schedule looks like. So now there is uh, – at, at Atlas and some of their ACMI carriers, what we would do is we would do that uh, on the other side of the planet. And we didn't – we're based there. Like I think um, uh, some of the cargo carriers think FedEx had uh, Hong Kong and Cologne – And UPS had somewhere over there. I don't remember what they were. Um, And then there's some other ACMI carriers that have places, you know, kind of scattered. There's some Europe bases. I don't There's too many to really. And they pop up and go away so fast that it's hard to keep track. Well, what would happen is you'd get over there. And so I would fly. I flew from Cincinnati to Narita, a 14-hour day on a four-man crew, um, land, try to take, try to sleep sleep because you're exhausted, but not really get that much sleep. And then the other thing is, is, um, unlike Anthony, I do have a fear of missing out. And I <laughs> did want to meet, I did want to meet cause he talks about that in the article. I did want to hang out with some of the crew and, you know, have a beer and enjoy a little bit of the, of the aspect of I'm in Japan. I do agree with you later on in your career, this gets much easier and much harder too, because then you start meeting friends right. in your airline who you could become close with and you're in the same spot and it's hard, which is okay to do once and again, that that's fine. I think you would even agree with that. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. To just to like, uh, take a quick pause on that. Yeah. I, uh, the, the reason why I said to kill your FOMO in order yeah. to make this work is because I have to do that for myself. I yeah. am super social. I want to hang out. I just try and structure it around when I would normally want to be asleep. so yeah. when I land somewhere, if it's especially, it, it makes it really easy when we talk about flying from the US to Japan, because when we get there, we usually left at 3.30 in the morning. And so that's kind of outside of normal waking hours anyway. So we yeah. tend to get there kind of early in the evening. So I'll hang out up on my normal schedule up until it's time to go to bed. And then I go to bed. So it's yeah. not like I don't hang out. I'm absolutely not a slam clicker. I do <laughs> not like, I mean, that is a, I, I would never do that i love to hang out but then then i'm just conscious about when do i need to actually go to sleep and when am i gonna wake up am i going to and i referenced this story where um we flew from we flew from our home base to all the way out to incheon korea and it was uh it was basically bedtime but we left at a good normal time at, in the morning. We left at something like 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And then it was uh, you know, 14, 15 hours. So by the time we landed, it was time to go to bed. But the, uh, the captain of that particular trip was like, all right, we'll just take a three-hour nap. And then uh, let's meet up at 5 o'clock for dinner. And I'm thinking, that's like 4 o'clock in the morning at home. Yeah. When have I ever like when have I ever gone to bed at 11, 11 p.m. midnight and then got up 3 hours later to just start drinking like that just doesn't make sense. I need some yeah. sleep. Like I've been up all day. I'm not going to do that. And so I I absolutely don't want to miss out. Um I just set boundaries for when I'm actually going to engage in fun and I usually I just make sure to take care of myself first I, because I can't Avoid fatigue if I don't actually take care of myself.
0: Sure, I so let's talk about going the other way, because um, Pacific is a onto itself a totally different a- animal. Especially if we're talking Pacific and going to Hawaii, whatever, dude. Hawaii is the standard military stop. A lot of a lot right. of us a lot of us fly to Hawaii who have who are on bigger airplanes at our airlines, and it's the gr- it's the greatest because. You take off at 10 in the morning or whatever, 11 in the morning, you get out there, it's like three, four o'clock, which is like six, seven, eight. It's perfect time to nightcap, have a few beers. It's sunny. So you're, so, and that's right. the part I wanted to move to next is, is how light affects you. For those of you who, uh, listen to the, uh, human, uh, lab project or human lab podcast with Dr. Amager human talks a lot about light. And I actually want to get into some of that, um, but yeah, Hawaii's great. You know, you go have a few beers. You're done by the time you're ready for bed. The sun just goes down. You are ready to go. You're ready. Right. To sleep. It's like nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Maybe you're up at like five, six in the morning if you don't set an alarm. Um, and then you if you don't have anything to drink, you're even better off. Like because you feel better. You know, you, you whatever. No alcohol thing. Uh, what five hours before bed or whatever they say, which is again ridiculous for those of you who like to have a drink here and there um but if if that is in my mind one of the only places where you're going to get that maybe alaska if you fly to anchorage or something but if you go all in the, in the like,
1: summertime not the winter in the, in the summertime <laughs> yeah in
0: the winter it's like doesn't matter
1: yeah um, <laughs> but dudes, if you're going no matter what
0: <laughs> no matter what but if you're going to uh Inchon or narita or any basically anywhere that is past the international dateline. it is a, it's messy. You, you have to pick and choose. Do you want to, and if you've never been somewhere, that's fine. Maybe you take that three to four hour nap that first time and then you go because you want to go see some sites. That's cool. Right. But after you've been there a few times, my guess is you're going to feel like absolute garbage if you keep doing that every time. Um. So now, now here's where this is. Let's talk about Europe. Because I think Europe is probably as Europe's a difficult one. It's it's so going there. Let I'll give you my my perspective on this because that's I primarily do Europe. Uh, if I have a late departure out of Europe or out of the states, so if I'm departing from the Eastern Time Zone or the Central, it doesn't really matter that they're close enough where it doesn't matter that much. Um, if I'm and then I the bases that I could fly out of could be uh. North or south, there's some that are north, and there's a couple that are this in the south. If I take off out of the southern bases, it's a little bit longer of a flight, but they all relatively land at about the same time. So between, let's call it 8 in the morning and 10 is kind of the average for the later departures into the eastern side of Europe. So London, not necessarily Paris, because Paris is a little longer. Um, those are all... If you get to the hotel, the way I always look at it, if you get to the hotel at, let's say it's somewhere between uh, 9 and 11 local time, which could be anywhere between uh, 1, 1 in the morning and 3 in the morning body clock time, I will go to sleep for 4 to 5 hours. That's, a st- that's my standard. Sometimes I'll sleep a little later. It d- just depends. The reason I don't like sleeping much later than that Um, London is the best example for this because it actually London is the easiest example. The best example is like an Amsterdam or a Paris or even maybe a Frankfurt or somewhere in in that time zone. If I go over and I sleep for four to five hours or if I sleep longer, let's say it's six. I try to get almost a whole full night of sleep. I am absolutely screwed for the rest of my trip. Right. Now I'm not doing intra-theater lift, and I'm not out on the road for 14 days where I really gotta manage this stuff. What I'm doing is I'm going back to the states, and if I sleep for six hours that night, I guarantee you I'm still gonna fall asleep at probably like let's say my next report day is I have a some middle of morning report time. Let's say it's 9:50 downstairs, 8:50 wake up, 9:50 uh, bus with a 11. 11am report at the at the airport or something similar to that area. I will tell you right then and there, I am going to be up at 3 in the morning and the chances of me falling back to sleep before 7 are almost none. And then I'm going to fall back to sleep, I'm going to get into a real deep sleep. My alarm's going to go off, I'm going to get the call and I'm going to be in bad shape. I'm going to beg for that first break on the way back so I can sleep a little bit more and then I'm going to be um Battle, I'm, I'm against that power curve the whole time. I'm not saying that you can't manage that, and there's people who do really, really well. I have not found a real foolproof way of doing that. London is seem, seeming to be very easy with that as far as timing, and and this is that timing that I was talking about. I think an, like a little bit of an over-the-counter helper that's legal by the FAA, of course, nothing that's illegal or could get you into any trouble or, or, or some weird homeopathic stuff that you need to check that all out with your doctor and make sure that that's legal by the FAA. I'm not a big fan of melatonin. I've done it. I don't use it anymore. Uh, It tends to make me too groggy. And I, I don't, there, there, you don't know what you're getting in a, in a supplement anyways. So I just, melatonin to me is, is a messy hormone that I, I don't like to mess with, but a simple, like a Unisom tablet, something that's, that's FDA approved. That's also FAA approved and not for regular use. I'm a big fan of, I have used that with, with relative success. I don't do it regularly. Um, and I get some, I get some pretty good sleep and normally I end up getting home and I I get on the airplane and I'm fine. Um, I take my rest on the airplane. I feel real good. I, again, none of us are going to be a hundred percent the entire time. You know, that I think that's known, but we're going to be able to function at a high level in what we're doing. And that's why we have the crew concept, blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of one of the things that I see is something I've, I've done well to help mitigate uh, some of the stuff that can come along with this.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, I talked about a couple of those different uh, topics that you just touched on in the second article. Um, But, or yeah, in the second, which I've read,
0: I've, I've, I've seen some of this stuff. Remember, I'm the, I get to look (laughs) at these articles before everybody else. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dial, pull it back, reel it back.
1: Yeah, so stay tuned for that. But um, I think one of the things that uh, is important to delineate between the our two um, flying schedules um, is is the amount of layover time. Um, yeah. Because I think one of the it doesn't matter whether you fly international or fly domestic. I hear this from everybody in packs carriers, cargo. What it doesn't matter. A twenty four hour layover looks great on paper it's actually terrible in terms of practicality. Yeah. It looks so great, especially if you're just been used to, you know, 10 hours, but that 24 looks so great. Like you'll have so much time to do so many things, but there's this expectation that you're going to be able to sleep twice and it's just impossible. You're going to get one good sleep and a nap if you're lucky. And, uh, and, and usually the nap happens first so that you don't screw up the second, uh, sleep, which should be a longer chunk of sleep. Um, and so that when you're going to uh, when you're going to Europe and and you only have 24 hours off and coming back, it, it is really difficult to maintain a consistent sleep pattern oh, uh, sure. when you're doing that type of uh, pairing, uh, uh, when, when you're doing a pairing that's constructed like that. And same thing, if you're flying, um, if you're, if you're an AM flyer that, uh, that, that, fly somewhere and then you sit and then you have 24 hours off and then you're, uh, uh, launching late in the afternoon, uh, early evening, and then landing like in the wee hours in the morning, uh, even domestically, it's, it's very difficult to manage that. Um, I think it's important to know how your body acts and comes back to equilibrium. And I think that's something I touch on more in my second article where I realized that if you can't stay on a consistent sleep cycle, you just have to figure out how do you get your body back to equilibrium as fast as possible. Yeah. And so when you can do that, you can bounce back really fast, but I noticed this um, when I'm on the road for an extended period of time and I can't maintain my home time zone. Um, I have to find ways to get myself back to my normal, uh, my normal sleep schedule in the trip where possible, because otherwise if, if you just survive off of three to four hours of sleep, your body doesn't really know how to get, like you could have a long period of time where you want to sleep, but your body just thinks you're in nap mode. You're, and I think that was my problem in college. I was just in constant nap mode all day long. And I was just, you just get these short micro sleeps uh, during certain periods when you actually want to be awake and then you can't really sleep more than Three to five hours of sleep in a given time because you just your body just thinks it doesn't have enough time to sleep even when you may have a very long stretch of sleep and it might even be the middle of the night, so uh, I think you have to go into your trips knowing how much sleep you have or how much how much time you have to sleep on your layovers and figure out you can't just go at it and then hope you'll fall asleep. You actually have to give some amount of thought as to when you will sleep and when you're going to exercise and when you're going to eat and when you're going to, if you're going to drink or go out and do, do whatever, whatever you've got to actually have some sort of plan for when you're going to do all those things. Because if you just let it happen and you just let your, um, let your sleep and your everything in your schedule, uh, be dictated by uh, your emotions and whoever else is out on the trip, you're probably going to feel pretty terrible at some point, either before the trip's done or when you finally get home and you actually want to feel functional.
0: Yeah. So I think there's, a, that's a point you and I fully agree on. Um, I, I maybe won't go as far to say you need to gain, pl- like some people take stuff to the nth degree where they, you know, I've got my, at this time, I'm going to do this, and I'm like, I don't do that stuff. That that's not no. Fun. I
1: try not to do that either. Yeah, I have it, to. I have an idea in my mind. Okay. Yeah, but I'll yeah. allow. I, I always allow myself a little bit of breathing room to yeah, go some, do some other things. Make, yeah, and make,
0: and make and and hey, sometimes something's really fun, and you're having a good time. You met some cool people, people that can uh, are showing you something that you've never seen before, and just people you just want to be around. You, they bring life to the party. You bring right, life. right. Like you go, hey, I'm gonna do this for an extra hour or two, you know. But you have you have a rough game plan in your head. I mean, I think all of us do, uh, to some extent, do that regularly. I think what we what happens when we go out on these trips, especially for international flyers, domestic is a little different. One because the layovers are shorter. If you have a longer layover, maybe. But if they're busting their humps and they're doing ten and a half hour layovers for two straight, three straight nights, their goal is fly get behind that door, sleep, maybe work out, you know, maybe eat, maybe eat, not on the run, maybe actually have them sit down where they can actually have a meal of food. The reality is, like you said, 24 hours, it looks good on paper. It's actually terrible. Uh, I agree more. I, I, that, that is a hundred percent. I either want 18 or I want uh, 30 because if I get 18, like for instance, I, I know there's a trip in the system where it's a late departure out of one of our Western bases and it gets into London at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I know right there that I'm looking at 3 o'clock at the hotel, maybe a little later than that because just I you just know that that's what it's going to take to get down to the hotel in London. So if I get to the, the hotel at 1 uh, or, excuse me, 3 or sh- shortly before that, there's no reason for an app at that point. Like it's, it is awake time. You may as well um, just go for it. <laughs> yep, I, I pulled an all-nighter. Okay, I pulled an all-nighter, which I don't prefer to do, but if I've done that, I've done it. Um, I've hopefully napped. I got a little bit of sleep in the airplane. I've napped before I got to the airplane uh, to fly because it was a late departure out of a western base. And the reality is, is okay, I'm up, and if I take a nap, at that point I am, the rest, whatever the duration of, the, my, of my trip, whether it's I'm finishing a three-day or it's six-day or whatever the case might be, it's I'm I'm totally screwed up. And I know guys who've done it, and I don't know how they do it, but some of them say they're okay. Other guys aren't. I tend to get up. For me personally, I don't know about you, this is my personal attack, is the first thing I do is I work out. First thing. Um, I don't care if it's 10 minutes. I don't care if it's stretching. I don't care if it's a hard workout where I'm doing uh, some lifting stuff or if I go for a run outside, get a lot of light in my eyes, whatever the case is, but I'm working out. and That tends to... At least give me kind of puts my body back into baseline mode. I'm out on the road because my standard is nap, workout, uh, lunch, dinner, whatever you want to call it, food, you know, maybe a drink at a happy hour or two, food, and then come back to the room, chill. Um, I'm a big, I I don't, I tend to be back in the room 12 to 14 hours prior to um, my wake up call. And then, unless I'm meeting a friend or something, we you know we have a plan of action or something like that. That's a little different, but that's not very often. Um, so I'm not a slam clicker, but I'm not uh, you know like there's guys who go out and they they go out like I mean they don't go crazy, but they they go out and they see sites and they do all this they do touring stuff, and occasionally that's great. And they're back and they always you know they're always uh, legal by FAA and stuff like that, and they show up and they they look fine. I can't personally do that. That's not that's not me. But I think it's also because some of the guys who are a little older, when they get back home, they have the ability to go back home, take a nap right when they show back up at their house or they live in base. When I get home, the first thing that's normally happening is I get to my house and my daughter has just come home from school and it is and my wife's like here is the kids, go to town. So that's the reality for me. Right. I, and you're the same way. I know you are. Yeah, it's, and we're going to mode. We're in a mode. We're in dad mode. It's old, like, and we're in hu- husband. You're. It, this is your job now because I just did this for x amount of days. I don't. Not my thing now. So you you have to be. You kind of got to be on point. Just like you were flying the airplane, you kind of got to be on point when you get back home. Where I know a lot of guys, first thing they do is they go take a nap, or or if it's late enough, they just go to bed and they're they get. 10 hours of sleep and they're up the next day at 5am doing what they usually do. So we don't have that option. I, I don't, I, I don't think. Yeah. It thinking.
1: depends on what, what stage of life you're in. Cause the, yeah, you know, the older true. folks that are on this, that, you know, that, <laughs> uh, that have their kids out of the house, it's going to be very different for them versus sure. people that have young families. And it depends on, you know, the you bid. If you get back into base late, And, um, but you live in base and you could just go straight to sleep. Well, perfect. But for everybody else that has to commute the next day, or, uh, you know, you get back in late and uh, like early enough that you commute back home. There's, there's so many, uh, dynamic pieces that are moving and everybody has their own, uh, story. I, I think by the thing that, that the common thread that everybody can relate to is that that there's, everybody has to have a plan for what, uh, allows them to be as healthy as possible. And so um, there's, a, there's a common saying in my career, at least, that uh, people will just uh, sleep when they're tired and eat when they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just such a bad way of go, uh, of approaching, uh, approaching life on the road because it just allows you to cater to your emotions and your feelings as, as you're out out and about, so it's like, oh, I'm hungry, so I'm just gonna eat right now. Um, whereas I, if, if you have a little more of a game plan for when are you gonna do things, it allows you to bounce back to equilibrium a little bit faster. And so it, that, and, and I don't wanna say that that uh, sleep when you're tired, eat when you're hungry, just doesn't work um, because it, it may very well work for some people, but for most people, if they don't have a plan, um, they're not gonna do anything. And so um, you're, and if if you don't have a plan to work out, you're probably just never going to work out on the road. And so um, if if you if you have a disciplined approach to how you're going to uh, do things, then you're not always going to, you know, binge drink or eat whenever everybody else is doing doing that. You're not just going to allow yourself to take a nap that goes from you know you, you thought you were going to lay down for an hour and now it's you know six hours later or something like that, and now you can't sleep when you really need to sleep. If you have a plan based off of uh, your trip pairing, then the trip will probably go a lot better than if you just let your emotions take the, take the front seat of, of, uh, of the trip. And, and you just find yourself all out of whack and find yourself really unable to recover.
0: Yep. I, you and I are on, I, I agree a lot on, on that stuff. I think our debate was more on, uh, um, uh, it was not so much a debate; it was more of a discussion on different uh, perspectives and facets of life. And for there, there's a lot of other people out there with uh, very unique flying schedules. And if you have those, let us know, an- Anthony. How can somebody get a hold of you to kind of give you an idea of what they're doing and maybe bounce it off you? Like, man, I've got this really wild schedule at work. Um, yeah, I, I think deployment schedules are like that sometimes, right? I mean, my first deployment yeah. back in 2004 when we were, it was hot and heavy in Iraq was, it was every 12 hours you were back in the shop. Uh, I remember I, I we busted my thir- the 30 day rule by seven and a half hours. I think we flew 157 hours in like 28 days and they finally they just had to you know, bench us. But the thing was is essentially every 10 and every 12 hours we would land, they would give us uh, a half hour window Uh, Most times it was like a half an hour. Sometimes there was no window, but sometimes it was like a half an hour to two hour window or whatever to get back, kind of get yourself settled. And then it was boom, you're gone again. And it was just over and over and over and over again. And when you're flying from one base and going up into a operating area and then come back, you and every single sortie is a different duration. Your, your schedule goes through a massive creep forward and then maybe a quick reset and then a creep forward again and back and forth, and back and forth. And there is no other way to battle that in my opinion. So for, and, and obviously those type of tempo operations are not here for the military folk right now. In most cases, maybe still some out there, but not that we're seeing like we've done in the past or we might seem in the future. Hopefully not. To me, I always found this to be, it was the simplest thing was it, it I didn't know, again, in my 20s, I obviously didn't do this at the time. I would do it now religiously. It was work out either before or after I fly or maybe a little bit of both. Uh, eat, sleep. Maybe maybe watch something just to neutralize whatever, but I was not trying to do anything of any sort of... I, I wasn't doing anything that took a lot of extra brain power. One, because... Frankly, it would just—you were too exhausted, and there was not—you couldn't really do much. No, at the time, I wasn't entrepreneurial. I didn't have any idea about investing or anything. I was just a moronic, twenty-five <laughs> or twenty-four-year-old kid, maybe twenty-three even. I don't. Where we all? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that guy didn't know what he was doing. The reality is, I learned a lot from that, and I think the uh, the thing was is, and I, I'll give you a quick story here on, on why uh, and how tired you get during this. And I know there's there's a, a lot of um, studies out there. Uh, one of my good friends who flew the tanker, I think he did a master's thesis on uh, the 28-minute nap and how that is one cycle for most grown adults. It's somewhere between 20 and 34 minutes, something like that, and how they were doing that controlled rest in the cockpit uh, on the KC-135 during uh, Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom. <clears throat> and it kept them... Functional and, and, and doing pretty well uh, where they saw other crews who were just absolute zombies, you know, the, the skin hanging, the white, like pale, you just look terrible. Um, and I'll give you an example of mine. Uh, it didn't happen in that first 157 hours. Now, mind you, I was brand new. It first deployment, first 157 hours I ever flew in the tanker, really. Uh, the second month towards the end, I think it was our last sortie, actually. Um, we had, our tempo had slowed down just slightly, and we flew a we flew we had some amount of time off i don't remember what it was and we went on to i don't remember if it was alert or if it or if we actually had a scheduled takeoff i don't remember it's really not that important cuz it doesn't it that's not the applicable part the applicable part is we got out to the airplane and we got delayed and then we got to hurry up and go and then we got delayed again hurry up and go start the engines shut them down at three hours and fifty-five minutes, which I believe it was. So now we're boor, we're we're five out we're five hours and fifty-five minutes from our show time to the time that we're about to take off, which I believe was the legal limit without an extension. Um, in in both, uh, USAFE or not USAFE. Oh my gosh, uh, uh, Centcom or Absent, and AMC. I I don't remember exactly, but let's just. I, I think it was that. I think that was it and it was a basic crew and we ended up getting put we we go 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 so we went we took off i think we took off at like 6 hours and 10 minutes or something like that crazy <clears throat> and we took off rotated and right after we rotated right after we rotated uh they called us and said did you take off we said yes they're like your receiver's canceled and i was like that's Perfect. And then they said, we're going to, you know, push ahead. We're going to go because you've got a bunch of gas and we'll find somebody for you. Again, busy time uh, in the war. And they had plenty of people. As we were going, the AC looked over at me and I am I'm passing out. like I'm, I'm falling asleep. And he says, dude, you need to go in the back. Okay, now, mind you, this is not legal by Air Force standard. Uh, but I was so tired. I had been up um, with... I, we were on alert because I had been up. I had fallen asleep. I had been up for eight hours. I had just started to fall asleep and got called at the end of our 24-hour call. That's exactly how this happened. So we're flying up into theater, and he says, go in the back, go to the bunk, go to sleep. I did. I woke up. I remember it was like, you know, the do 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 like the birds chirping. <laughs> and like, a ramp How long have I been asleep? And I hear, um, I hear the retraction mechanism of the one thirty five boom. Like, what, what's going on? I look down, and I see Paul, our boom operator, down there, and I, I go up front, and I see uh, Frank, the AC, switching off the p- pumps. I'm like, dude, and I put my head down. I'm like, dude, what, what happened? And he's like, D- you were so, you were so out. We weren't even gonna bother waking up. I go, did we do air? And he goes, yeah, we did. Uh, that was our second. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, how long I'm going to sleep is like four hours. I'm like, oh my gosh. What I'm saying is in, in some of these circumstances that are out there, we didn't know any better 20 years ago. Right. I mean, we didn't. And, and maybe, maybe scientists did, but we didn't know and we didn't care. Like it was all about either hack the mish, which I, that term is such a joke, or it was uh, go out and party with your boys or whatever the case was. Um, not necessarily flying related was like, you stay up, like you go to Vegas, you know, and you you stay up for two straight nights cause you're having a blast. Um, and then you crash, <laughs> you know, when you're 26 years old then you crash for a day when you go home, the reality is, is when you did that in the environment of trying to get the mission done, the same exact thing happened. Uh, and you just, you can't see it. Somebody else had to recognize it. You know, we talk about that fatigue and being tired and all that kind of stuff. This is what what I think that both of us are trying to say here is you and I both go into our trips with a a moderate structure of how we're going to rest, recover, as well as keep ourselves in equilibrium, whether it's working out, eating, whatever the case is. And yeah, we're not always going to be social miscreants who are slam clicking and never see anybody. But there are times where I do that, where I don't, I don't go hang out for a dinner where I go get my own stuff because it's just the schedule doesn't work out in our benefit um, to go do that kind of thing. Like there are times where I'm not on the same schedule with the rest of the crew and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and have dinner and then I'm coming back because I've got an early report the next day and you guys don't, you don't, you don't have a report to the airport till three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm out of here at nine in the morning. So, and that's, for those of you sound, that sounds late in Europe, that, that doesn't feel very late. That feels like right on <laughs> no. time. Remember, that's essentially three in the morning back home. So, and that's what you're used to. So, you kind of got to play that. In fact, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at my nonsense here and I'll give Anthony the final word. What I'm doing right now is I'm experimenting with, uh, we have two little kids and we are trying to move our bedtimes up, my wife and I's bedtime up to go to sleep earlier and earlier, um, unlike Matt, who wakes up at like four in the morning every day, because he's <laughs> um, I do not do that, but I'm starting to move to that for one reason, one reason only, I tend to get more Europe, and I figure if my body clock is accustomed to that between that 5 ish or earlier wake-up time, Europe, getting home from Europe will be significantly less painful Then the occasional red eye I have to do over the occasional red eye doesn't hurt nearly as bad as the always getting up early in Europe and coming home. So I'm trying to shift that instead of remember how we always used to do it like, oh, I got a late flight on Thursday, I'll just stay up late, that kind of (laughs) thing. Like the day prior, I was like, well, why wouldn't I just, let's say I get up at five every day. And then if I have a late flight, and I commute over or whatever I have to do, I'm probably going to need a nap. Probably. I can always take a nap in the afternoon. It, when you have kids, trust me, you guys understand. Yeah. You can all, <laughs> like, even when you're not tired, you still can take a right. nap.
1: You could always you can find some time for sleep. Yeah.
0: And then, but if you're always getting up at five or earlier, when you do the Europe thing and you have to wake up at three or three 30, yeah, it's rough, but it's nowhere near as bad as if you're getting up at seven and you have that three and a half hour shift forward when it's only an hour or so. I, I'm anyways, I'm gonna experiment with that. I'll report back to everybody on that. Anthony, I'm gonna give you the last word here and then t- let them let let everybody know how they can get in touch with you so you can uh, you can um, debate with others or you know help somebody figure out what they're gonna do
1: yeah, like I said, I think Everybody just has to have their own sleep strategy, and it's going to change too, depending on what type of trips you get. So, not every trip is going to require the same strategy. So, if you're senior enough to be able to bid and hold something that's somewhat consistent, then you'll be able to have the same strategy, and it'll be easier. And if you have, if you're constantly going to Asia and then you're going over to Europe, or you're flying uh, between Asia and Europe, I mean, there's going to there's going to be so many different things that uh, um, shift. And I think when, when we talk about meeting up with the crew, um, the, the folks that tend to have a plan usually drive the itinerary. So it doesn't matter whether you're a captain or a first officer. If you know what you're going to be doing, it's actually really easy sort of to direct how, uh, how social interaction goes on. And I think it's, uh, actually really valuable. Some of the best crews that I've, uh, flown with have been ones where, um, where we not only go out and do something socially, but we find something to do physical uh, together. Whether we go for a run together. Um, I'm not a gym guy, so I don't usually go to the gym and lift weights with the other guys. But there have been plenty of captains uh, since I'm on the younger side uh, relative to uh, some of our older captains. Uh, They can't go run, but they're very happy to go walk for eight miles And it's a great time for us to just be able to chat and hang out together. And it doesn't involve, uh, stuffing extra food, uh, and calories into my body that I don't need. And, and just, uh, you know, day drinking throughout the day, we can just go somewhere and just enjoy the journey of, uh, uh, going and just being active while we're, um, while we're enjoying the sights. Um. And if if you have a plan for doing stuff like that, it's actually really easy to direct that type of social activity where everybody's benefiting, and people will often find themselves uh, sleeping on the same schedule and and uh, and and sleeping at the same time because they're following the same uh, same activities. And so if you uh, if you can sort of develop that mindset of I'm gonna know what's good for me, I'm gonna state the intention. There's other people that'll probably end up doing that, and if if you're all doing it together, then um, then it doesn't seem like anybody's slam clicking, and then uh, it, and then it also being aware that you might need more or less sleep than the other person does and uh, and and when that happens that's okay you don't have to be constantly hanging out you're not a slam clicker if you're uh, if, if you tell somebody that I, I just need some sleep because I'm really yeah. tired and I think it's really important just like your aircraft commander in that story knew uh, how to recognize fatigue in you I think we need to be even more cognizant of of how fatigue affects us because when we can say it for ourselves, that, man, I'm starting to get fatigued based on these circadian rhythm flops. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. You just have to adjust. But sometimes, and I think uh, it's probably not been received well in the past, but the military is getting more uh, accustomed to it. I, I think good leaders know when people can actually state, I'm not in a good spot. And when you can actually, uh, you know, for our military flyers, where you can say, hey, this schedule is not conducive to be getting a good night's rest and being as alert as possible for this particular mission. Can we shift some of our takeoff times? Or when you can go out and find a crew that that would actually, uh, when you go and ask them like, hey, I'm supposed to do this, you're doing this. Is that good for you? Because this isn't really good for me. Any chance we could swap and you can present that solution to your leadership? I don't know any good leader that wouldn't just say, Oh yeah, that, that probably may, if it makes sense for you, the, the mission loses nothing by swapping you guys around. So let's make that swap. And, uh, and so I, I think, um, when you're, when you're, but that, that takes a lot of wherewithal. Of how are you feeling? How's everybody else feeling? And when you can present good solutions like that, everybody else ends up uh, being better for it. So, um, as far as how to get a hold of me, I'm on uh, TPN Pro. If you want to direct message me, I'll, I'll always answer you back. Or if you want to email me at anthonyfelix at me.com, um, I'd be happy to write back to you and uh, just, uh, and we can schedule a call or uh, whatever it needs, uh, whatever you need to, to, Um, or just if you just want to chat and you know about whatever how do i make my next steps uh in in this transition to this job or whatever else uh we're we're here for you we're happy to help uh, make sure that you get to where you want to go
0: yep and i think uh i think that is the mentality of what we do at tpn and what we've been trying to do for uh several years now is pay it forward right anthony that's what we do um, so, and if you need to get a hold of Matter, it's hey guys at pilotnetwork.com and we will get back to you. All the socials are out there. Just go to thepilotnetwork.com and you can link us up and find us that way. I want to thank Francesca Mamlin, our producer, editor, director of the show. And as always, thank all of you out there for listening. Keep the shiny side up in the air and that greasy side down. Bye, safe everybody.